Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is, and welcome back to this, the Seth Liebson Show, your open hour here. Anything you want to talk about? I was uh, spending the last hour talking about the Supreme Court hearings for uh, Justice uh, Brown Jackson. Feel free to call in on that or anything else you like. I have a few other things I'd like to get to today. It is interesting that uh, people are beginning to start focusing yet again on the things here, the things domestic, the things that matter here. And while Ukraine is probably the second leading story after the Supreme Court nomination hearings, you'll notice it's taken a back step, just a little one, just a short back step uh, from the prominence it had the week before that and the week before that. I, I figured there was going to be an expiration date on this or at least a shelf life to how the news media organizations could do Ukraine-Russia 24-7 as if it were uh, giving us breaking news when it wasn't. It was just finding uh, new ways to repackage uh, the news that we all pretty much knew. Uh, it's, it's, not so much a, um, it's not so much that the story doesn't merit attention. It's that what is said about Ukraine and Russia right now over and over again is echoing um, the um, lachrymose nature of the situation in, in, in one respect, echoing uh, President Biden's heightened rhetoric in another, rhetoric which I morally don't disagree with, but rhetoric which is going to let everyone down, first and foremost the Ukrainians. When you heighten the rhetoric as far as it has been heightened, indeed even calling Putin a war criminal when the president does it, you are setting expectations pretty awfully high, and they are not going to be met. They're not going to be met. Just remember, this is a president who called our exit from Afghanistan, killing about a dozen of our soldiers, 13 of our soldiers in the process, an extraordinary success. Keep that in mind. This is a president who does that. With these heightened expectations, of course, everyone is going to be let down ultimately. And the news media was kind of part and parcel of joining in on that when after all the virtue signaling is done and some of the good work that is being done by individuals and civic groups, of course, you know, sending food, sending aid, Salem's trying to do its part, the company that owns, uh, you know, this show and the studios that we operate out of and, and broadcast from, everyone's trying to do all, all noble, all good, all great um, and important. But if we're thinking that the United States is going to stop further depredation of Ukraine uh, based on advanced military use of, of our military, it just isn't going to happen. It's not going to be happening. And it's and it's going to end up unwell. It's going to end up that's putting it way too low. It's going to un, end up tragic, tragically, tragically. What I am hoping Again, I would like to have my confidence boosted. What I am hoping is that there are things going on that we do not know about, that we do not see, that are going to be hardening our resistance to a cyber attack, hardening resistances to our allies being attacked by a, a cyber a cyber weapon from, from Russia, 
or for that matter, something much more tactical, something much more tactical, chemical, biological, nuclear. Uh, I'm hoping that's taking place. I am hoping that's taking place. Otherwise, I have to tell you, um, I'm sticking with the analysis that uh, Brandon Weikert has uh, been so uh, liberal with his time and brain in sharing with us, which is um, you are dealing with a man in Vladimir Putin who does not care about body bags of his own people. You are dealing with a culture that sees loss of life in wartime far differently than we do. Than we do. When we lose thousands, they lose hundreds of thousands. When we lose hundreds of thousands, they lose millions. And they keep going and going and going. And keep in mind one other thing. I brought it up yesterday. I just think it's important. You will hear some radio hosts on this platform, others. You will hear commentators uh, here and abroad talking about how Vladimir Putin has tremendously, if not irreversibly, harmed his reputation in Russia, no matter what happens next, no matter what happens next. Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Anyone remember the Syria refugee crisis and the Syria bombings? Did he lose his reputation over that? And also keep in mind, I think really one of the more important things we tend we tend not to think very much about. Yeah, we're reading about Russian losses. And yeah, we're hearing from Vladimir Zelensky and people on the ground in Ukraine. But are they in other vast reaches of the world? Are they in China reading that and hearing that? Are they in the Middle East? Are they in Africa? In other words, what we're reading about the war between Russia and Ukraine right now, or let's just call it what it is, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, what we're reading is not what most of the rest of the world is reading. And if they were, would they have the same views that we have? We err by thinking people see things. We were talking about this with Hugh Hallman yesterday. We err by thinking people see things the way we do, even when we're looking at the same exact thing. The same exact thing. All right, just a few thoughts I wanted to share with you. Mike is in Carefree. Hello, Mike. Good morning. Good afternoon, Seth. Good I afternoon. I to, to your uh, statement about doing research and doing your own research. And what what kind of surprised me, I, I just happened to do the research uh, trying to find a clip uh, on President Obama on YouTube Um since we're always talking about who uh, is responsible for the fuel prices. And I remember watching a lengthy um, interview with President Obama in which he said, well, you know, $10 a gallon gas is not bad. We just don't want it to get there so fast. It's a good thing to get there gradually. And he thoroughly, you know, said it and he explained it and so forth. And so I, I, I Googled that and went through the search. You can't find that on the internet on a Google search. Ha! All right. And the reason I know that was because a couple of years back, I sent a copy of it to someone after having a discussion with them. Okay. And so I think, you know, the same situation is going on with Judge 
Josh Holler. Yeah, 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 yeah. And oh. it's, uh, it's like they're, they're, now what you realize is since we don't have the written word, we don't have transcripts, it's very easy to manipulate public opinion because now Snopes says that oh, President Obama never said that. The <laughs> fact that he doesn't. Yeah. Fact checkers all all down the line say it never happened. I know it happened, and I and I I happen to have watched the entire interview. Okay, here's what I'm concluding, because I've had that happen to me too. Um, I have had the experience, Mike, of researching something or finding something if I wasn't researching it and knowing about it and using it and knowing that it'll be there next time I want it or go back or I can always find it again with, you know, the keywords in my head or whatever. I, I, I can give you an example, but it won't mean much. And then I have gone back. There's one particular one. It happens to do, it happens to be about, interestingly enough, it happens to be about um, uh, the Ronald Reagan economy and how good it was for the African-American community. And there was one specific column that laid it out so beautifully. I'd used it for years. Guess what? Can't get it anymore. Can't get it anymore. So here's what we have to do, Mike. I think, I think, sadly, I think we have to take screenshots of everything we ever, you know, think we may have two uses for, you know, a use for the day when we find it and then some other, I, and create a file. I just think we're going to have to do it. I think so. Yeah. One more thing, just a, just a thought. This is how bias thought. works, though. This is called memory holding, and it was all predicted by George Orwell. Sorry. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, you know, it's like people are, are uh, saying, well, we had to have a black female for Supreme Court to get yeah. equity. It's like, well, once we get, and I'm, I'm like you, I'm, she's going to get. Confirmed. Yeah, she'll get confirmed. And then we'll have, you know, a disproportionate number of black justices on the Supreme Court because they comprise 12 percent of the population and they will comprise about 18 percent of the Supreme Court. That's a way to look at it. There's a few other ways uh, I'd look at it, too, Mike. Um, One is we would already have likely already have a African-American woman on the Supreme Court. But for Joe Biden, I spent uh, some of my monologue yesterday talking about the case of Janice Rogers Brown who was a California Supreme Court justice before going to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. By the way, as a California Supreme Court justice, they face reelection. She was reelected as a California Supreme Court justice by margins higher than Kamala Harris could ever dream of when she was running for elections and reelections. And Joe Biden scuttled her nomination when George W. Bush was contemplating putting her up and elevating her from D.C. Circuit to the Supreme Court. We would have one. She'd just be of the wrong view. Do you know? Do you know? Uh, talk about representative of America. I think I'm right about this. Do you realize there are no Protestants on the U.S. Supreme Court? None in a Protestant nation. Think about that. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the Midas Gold Group. I know these folks. I have gold and silver from the Midas Gold Group, all veteran-owned. It is the company I use. It is the company Sebastian Gorka uses. It is the company thousands of you use. If you want to protect your finances, if you want to add gold and other precious metals to your portfolio – and add a layer of privacy and protection to your finances with those precious metals, get private, get protected, and get on the phone and call 
the Midas Gold Group. Call them at 480-360-3000. That's Midas Gold Group, 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Not only have I been there, not only do I have precious metals from them, I've met these guys. They are great guys. You think we all have in this audience kind of a, a concerted worldview? You'll find it at Midas Gold Group. Trust me. No shortage of it there. Love those guys. All right. 602-508-0960. Benjamin's in Phoenix. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Seth. Um, I just wanted to follow up uh, on the call earlier. I was talking about the uh, Obama quote with the $10 an hour gas prices. I also remember him saying something about under my administration, energy price, as a necessity, energy prices must skyrocket. We're going to skyrocket. So those are, you know, things that don't help us as a, as a people, as a public. And um, so that leads me to, I heard, I think I heard you talking to Brandon Weikert maybe yesterday or recently. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned to him, I think you were talking about Iran. But uh, it was it was it was a country in the Middle East, something like that, and just the idea that I think you mentioned it. Uh, you know, I know you're in discussion together that they, the leadership over there, they don't consider. Um, a lot of times we think, oh, uh, they they they're fearful for their own lives or something, or they're they're worried about their own well-being, but they may not even think about that. They may even consider it a kind of a. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I'll help you out here. You tell me if this rings a bell, Benjamin. Um, yeah. Yeah. What we were talking about was the guidance from World War II roughly to 1989-ish or so of mutually assured destruction was what kept the world safe in a nuclear age. That was to say that we all operated under the assumption that destruction would be mutually assured if anyone launched a first strike. If the Soviets launched a first strike, they knew we would destroy them. And 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 it would be mutual, and that's what you know caused restraint from nuclear powers. But then you know, as the nuclear club expanded, North Korea, Pakistan, and looking at other countries that want to be part of the nuclear club, Iran, you have to question whether mutually assured destruction is operative anymore with people who don't view uh, life. As a summum bonum, as a great goal, as something to be cherished. Some cultures, some societies, some elements of some religions view death as a great honor and may not see uh, may not see Armageddon or something that could lead to an Armageddon, lowercase a, as um, as a deterrent. They could see it as an inducement. Is that what you're referencing? I, I, yes, and, and I I know it may sound extreme, but I just. I put that on our of America now, and I and I think to myself, well, why is it impossible? You know, why is people think it's not possible? You're breaking up right on a critical point there, Benjamin. State, state your point again, Benjamin. Stop. Hold on, hold on. You broke up on on an important point you were about to make. Why is what not possible? We missed what you were trying to say. Well, sorry, I'm driving out in the middle of nowhere. That's here, all right. You're better now. Go I, for it. Say it. I get. I think that there's a good possibility that some of our highest leadership, not all of them, but certainly some of them, you know, I can parallel that to the leaders you're talking about, a little bit of parallel there that maybe they don't, they don't want to die or something like that for glory or whatever you're saying about, you know, some leadership. But 
I think that they don't have our best intentions in mind. I think we go with this, oh, well, they're, they're not so bad. You know, they have a few bad policies, whatever. I think there's some leaders that really hate their country, and I'm not buying America, and they don't want the best for us. And if we're not careful um, and we just think, oh, it's politics and they have a little different view on this issue and that issue, we end up with people that uh, are not our friends. I, I mean, Democrat, Republican, Independent, anything. They're not our friends, and they're, they're making policies. They're maybe intentionally to lessen the country. Well, here's you what know, I would say to that, Benjamin. Thank you for your call. Here's what I would say to that. We know from certain leaders, particularly in the Democratic Party, that they do have a down market view of the United States. I, I, you know, I don't know that that uh, that that their down market view would take them to some of the extremes we were talking about in the cases I was just discussing vis-a-vis, uh, you know, nuclear or 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 or, or an, uh, nuclear annihilation or, or any kind of Armageddon or self-destruction in that respect. But there's no question that. You know, when Barack Obama is denouncing American uh, greatness or American exceptionalism, uh, when, you know, the most important Democratic governor in the country and probably the most important Democrat after uh, after any of the presidential candidates uh, for two years, at least uh, during the covid experience, Andrew Cuomo was saying America was never that great. When you have a growing coterie and conjurie of people who want to institute socialist Marxist Marxist socialism in America, uh, this is no great mystery. This is no this is no great insight except for those who refuse to see it, those who refuse to see it. There is no question that they have no problem making life harder. On Americans, there is no question that they want us to be citizens of the world or just another place among the nations. Uh, there is no question about that when you look at what they are doing with regard to our energy. Why is it? I mean, I, if 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 the green effort, if the green movement, if the environment is the concern about actually easing up on drilling here in this Ukraine-Russia crisis, if that's the concern, if the environment is the concern. Why would we go to dictators to get the same damn thing when they do it less clean? Why are we going to Venezuela? Why are we going to Saudi Arabia? Why are we trying to make deals with Iran to do the same damn thing that we won't do that will enrich Americans here and more immediately and extrapolate, excuse me, extract our own resources? Has anyone asked that question? If the, if, if, if the eye on the ball, as John Kerry said, in the war, which is a totally anti-humanitarian thing to say. You know, the eye on the ball for him is 50 years out, not a country disappearing before our very eyes. If the eye on the ball is the environment, why is it okay for us to go and encourage to get more from Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and and potentially uh, loosening up the restrictions with Iran as well? Why is that okay? It enriches those countries, not this country. You have to ask these questions. These are facts These are facts that deserve, if not demand, a judgment, aren't they? A verdict? These are facts put before the American people that deserve a verdict. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period, Joe Biden said. Period. I love it when he does period, as if that makes it even stronger. But okay, we'll give it to him. Why, why, why okay for, for him then to go, okay, well, we need it, so mm, mm, communists. Well, we need it, mm, radical Islamists. Why, why is that better? By the way, a little secret. 
Venezuela and the OPEC countries, they're not operating under the environmental regulations that make it cleaner that we are. you got to ask those questions. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to welcome back to the show a candidate for the U.S. Senate looking to replace Mark Kelly. Blake Masters is his name, BlakeMasters.com. Blake, how are you, sir? Welcome back to the show. Doing great, Seth. Thanks for having me. You betcha. You know, on your website, you have a a list of things that you would prioritize should you be elected to the United States Senate. One of them that stands out in uh, bold, sharp relief is the Bill of Rights is non-negotiable. And it seems to me I have these callers, uh, particularly a couple I can think of uh, by name, who call in and say we need to get back to a Bill of Rights attitude in this country you write, we need laws that will protect human life and strengthen the rights guaranteed to all American citizens, something that wouldn't have been controversial 20 years ago. I'm watching these hearings. You're probably watching them, too, of Judge uh, Brown Jackson um, upon uh, possibly being elevated to the United States Supreme Court. Should you be in the Senate, you might be on the Judiciary Committee. But even if you aren't on the Judiciary Committee, you'd be in the full Senate to vote to confirm or not confirm her. I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, what you would look for in a qualified uh, justice to the Supreme Court or any federal judge for that matter and how you see these hearings going right now. Well, Seth, I've looked for uh, is this person going to be a faithful interpreter of the Constitution uh, as written? And, you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm watching these hearings and I see that uh, Judge Brown Jackson, she's quite the opposite. Um you know, and at first I got to say, I you almost feel bad for her, mm-hmm. right? They did her a huge disservice with the way she was selected. She is an affirmative action pick. Yep. And and President Biden caused this by saying, "I'm going to exclude from consideration anyone who is not black and female." Yep. And so, if you are not black and female, you had no chance of getting the Supreme Court slot. And so, you know, everyone knows she's she's kind of a totem of a misguided ideology. I think uh, that is such an important thing that, you know, people don't like talking about it too much. It makes us all a little com- uncomfortable, but it was foisted on us. This wasn't us doing it. It was the Democrats doing it. And it's a really good point for the point you're making, of course. Let's be clear. Someone put on Twitter. Oh, Rich- Richard Grinnell. You know Richard Grinnell. He said, let's be clear. Asians, Hispanics, men and gays were not considered for this latest Supreme yep. Court pick. Let that sink in for just a moment. They were shut out of the opportunity to be able to serve on the Supreme Court in the first instance instance. The second is it makes one wonder what the Democrats view of the job of a Supreme Court justice is. If the first choice has nothing to do with how someone sees the law or the Constitution, that's obviously not to them what they see the Supreme Court for. Isn't that so, Blake? That's right. I mean, they picked her, you know, because she she checked the right boxes in their identity politics and because she's a rubber stamp. You know, the fear is you'll be a rubber stamp for their agenda. It's not about faithfully and independently interpreting the Constitution. It's about, uh, you know, just rubber stamping the Biden power grabs. And so I think she clearly is a classic left-wing judicial activist, right? She doesn't believe in a strict interpretation of the Constitution. And so she'll be horrible on the First Amendment, on the Second Amendment, right, on the the fight with big tech, the Fourth Amendment, uh, search and seizure, privacy issues. I don't think the Democrats believe in due process anymore. Um, and so I think her nomination is, is actually bad 
and she's showing that she's not qualified to be on the Supreme Court. And increasingly, to the degree that the news media will actually show Josh Hawley on television or him questioning her, attacks cultural attacks on our children, which you also have on your on your website. That's something you want to you want to protect. Uh, against. Yeah, actually, this this judge seems to be um, left wing in all the predictable yeah. predictable ways, but she has some sort of bizarre left-wing yeah. predilections. She's yeah. soft on child predators. Yeah. Okay, she wrote that sex offender registration laws were, and I quote, punitive and unconstitutional. Yep. Uh, what is that? She's protecting child predators. So Senator Hawley's right to tear into her. She's mm-hmm. got a record of leniency, and uh, she's been soft in sentencing people who have child porn on their computers. Uh, so she's got some weird penchant for these people. I don't know why. It's so odd. And the media is playing along with it. Um, even some of our, fr- well, I'll just, I'll pick, uh, I'll pick on them generically. I was watching most of the coverage live on, on, on a couple different networks. When it came to Josh Hawley questioning her, oddly enough, these networks went to their regular programming. Very odd. Oh, Seth, I'm, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. You think Come it was just, now. they just got tired. They just got bored watching. Yeah. They just got bored watching. I'm sure that <laughs> Blake Masters, I, this was a short segment. i got to take a quick break. If you can hang around for after the break, I'd love to have you uh, right back on in the next segment. I'd like you to talk a little bit about social media, social media bias, big tech censorship, and your thoughts on it, uh, if you don't mind. Can we talk a little bit about that when we come back? You got it. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Blake Masters, candidate for the United States Senate. You can check out his website if you want to learn more or help him out at BlakeMasters.com. Blake masters.com. We'll be right back. Little uh, Dolly Parton doing Ario Speedwagon there. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Blake Masters is our guest. He's a candidate running for the United States Senate, hoping to unseat uh, Mark Kelly, the current uh, occupant of that Senate seat. BlakeMasters.com is his website, BlakeMasters.com. Blake, in the previous segment, uh, we were talking about uh, media bias, social media bias, and you brought up uh, big tech and big tech censorship as something that needs to be taken on. My gosh, especially in light of the Hunter, but the what would you call that? The the second aftershock of the of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, you, you couldn't be more spot on. You want to talk to us about your concerns and uh, what your thoughts are on uh, big big tech and uh, and their censorship? Absolutely. You know, I think big tech is an existential threat to this country. Um, And I know it really well. You know, I worked in Silicon Valley for a number of years before moving back home to Arizona a few years ago. And so I know these companies and their business models and the harms that they perpetrate. And look, I know as conservatives, we talk a lot about, you know, just censorship. They banned President Trump. They banned Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, you know, from Twitter. And and don't get me wrong, that's absolutely crazy. Like, that's election interference right there. Uh, but, But really, I mean, I think Facebook handed Joe Biden the election. In, in 2020, right? The Hunter Biden laptop story, and I guess this is in the news again because the New York Times just confirmed, um, or they admitted, really, admitted is the correct word, that this laptop from hell was real. Mm-hmm. And if you said that in October of 2020, you were banned, mm-hmm. right? Facebook and Twitter and Google, they called that misinformation. They banned that from the Internet, basically. And, and so tens of millions of Americans didn't get to read about Hunter Biden's problems and Joe Biden's likely corruption right before the election. Like, how is that a free and fair election? And the answer is it's not. Blake, there was a um, interesting survey, exit poll survey done by the Media Re- Research Center, you know, Brent Bazell's organization. 
And uh, they found something like north of 40 percent of Biden voters didn't know about that story. That's not important. What's important is that 9.1 percent of them would not have voted for Biden if they knew of that story. Right there, 9 percent swing states, by the way, swing states, I should have said that, right there would have given Donald Trump the election. Right there. Talk about whatever other irregularities one wants to with machines or mail-in ballots or what else, whatever else you want. The, you yep. know, the harder stuff to take some time to drill in on right there. The media changed an election. There's just no that's question it. about it. And like, that's why I'm running for office, because we need a new generation of, of conservative leader in there who actually understands this stuff. Like, I think a lot of normal Republican office holders, you know, and I'm running against one of them uh, in Mark Burnovich might be well-meaning, but completely inept. You know, like that dude wants a medal for, oh, I sued Google. It's like. You have no idea how to actually go after Google, how to meaningfully restrain these companies. But if we don't do it, we're not going to have free elections. We're not going to have free speech. Look at what these companies are doing just this week, right? I think the Babylon Bee, the yes. satirical yes. conservative, right. they, they're kicked off Twitter because they said, uh, you know, I think it's funny, but they said, like, Rachel Levine is their man of the year. Yeah, you because, know, the, because the USA Today made her woman of the year or something. She's a biological man, right? Yeah. Biological man. Or how about the, um, you know, the swimmer? Yeah, who, Leah who Thomas. Act, the yeah. biological female. Right. Uh, well, I mean, the, the one who actually came in first place, right? Uh, I think her name's Emma Wayans. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. She, she, so she got second place, I guess, because the biological male, Leah Thomas, you know, transitions or whatever to being a female, crushes the competition. And and this this... This poor girl, she's been training. This woman, she's been she's an Olympian. She's been training her whole life. Sees her title taken away from yep. her, and she criticized that. She spoke out on Twitter, and they banned her account for saying like, "I got beat by a biological male, and that's not fair." You bet that she got suspended for that. You bet. And so it doesn't stop with Leah Thomas. It doesn't stop with this trans madness. I think there's a broader agenda here, and these companies are going to come for all of us over any dissenting view. It stops with it stops with our position of stopping them. Uh, that's when it'll stop, and it won't until we do. Now, you and I operate in a movement that has, you know, to greater and lesser degrees, and depending on the individual, you know, greater strains of libertarianism running through, you know, running through our souls, our brains, our hearts, our minds on these things. A libertarian argument is the law should not touch these people. The law should not touch these organizations. To which you say what? Nope, I think it's time to wake up and realize that Google has the power to swing an election. Yep. Facebook has the power to swing an election. Look, I don't want to regulate businesses willy-nilly. Right. I'm an investor. When I invest in a business, I want them to have a, a clear and, and sane regulatory environment, right? Yep. But we have to get our heads out of the sand. As conservatives, we have to admit, you have to treat Facebook and Google differently than you treat a local hair salon or a bakery, right? I'm pro-business, but I'm not pro-left-wing multinational corporation right. that wants to make us live in a banana republic. That's 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 perfectly well said. That is perfectly well said. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I think they're going to keep pushing until there is some re- response from, from, from a conservative movement or a movement that actually just wants its media to be a media. I mean, it's an odd thing for those of us that have labored in First Amendment for some years as I, for better or worse, have done, Blake, it's an odd thing to when you read cases against like a major newspaper or even a minor newspaper, they run to an old case defending themselves called New York Times v. Sullivan in the 60s, which talks about, you know, the importance of the press being there to check the government. 
Never would I have ever imagined that the media that always runs to the New York Times v. Sullivan would be engaged in censoring fellow media for putting a check on the government. But that's what happened. They tried to shut down the New York Post on social media. They did. And it was and, – and anyone else that could, and they denounced them, and they defamed anyone who thought that story had merit. Some still are. James Clapper still is. It's a really, really odd place in America we're in right now. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's this fusion of state and corporate power. You know, mm. The media is not an independent check on the government anymore. Too often, big business is not an independent check on the government anymore. And when the woke Fortune 500 starts doing the Biden administration's bidding, when the woke mainstream media starts basically becoming an extension of Jen Psaki's White House press secretary office, uh, you've got a problem. Yep. You know, we used to call that problem fascism. Yep. But it's this left-wing fascism, and they're trying to stifle dissent. They want to cancel you. They would love to shut down your bank account by pushing one button because you're you know, too right of center for their taste. By the way, it's it's odd. Who, thank you for saying that. And it's odd too who what what victims they want to defend. Um, it's odd too that the the odd defense they come to when it comes in the name of criticizing China of all places too, isn't it? I mean, that's just an odd thing. These quote unquote American companies that are shedding tears. I think rightfully, by the way, I should say about what's going on in Ukraine. But when it comes to what China's doing in in certain regions and to populations that is just as bad and in many cases is much worse than what's going on in Ukraine. No, they want to censor you if you comment on China. It's a very, very odd thing. Makes no sense at all. But again, it's, it's why I'm running for office. Good. We need sane leadership in there. We need people who actually know what time it is if we're going to have a prayer of solving some of these super serious challenges. You bet. You bet. Blake Masters, nicely stated. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, and I appreciate uh, your quick reaction to all this uh, breaking news, especially the uh, Judge Jackson uh, the Judge Brown Jackson nomination. BlakeMasters.com is his website. BlakeMasters.com. Blake, we'll be in touch. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, Seth. Go ahead and bye. Back to the Seth Leibson Show. Okay, here's uh, in the file in the category of this is how it's done. This is how it's done. Ron DeSantis, governor, executive order today. Whereas... Emma Wyant of Sarasota is an accomplished woman who excelled in academic and athletics as a student athlete at Riverview High School, where she was a member of the National Honor Society, a scholastic All-American, and an award-winning swimmer. And whereas during her time competing in girls' high school swimming, Emma Wyant reached number one in the 400-yard individual medley in the U.S. and under World 100 ranking, whereas Emma, and there's a series of whereas's showing all of her um, swimming victories, whereas a male identifying as a woman was allowed to compete in and was declared the winner of the race by the National Collegiate Athletic Association, and Emma was determined to come in second place, and whereas the NCAA's actions served to erode opportunities for women athletes and perpetuate a fraud against women athletes as well as in the public at large. On June 1st, 2021, I signed SB 1028, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, to preserve fair opportunities for female athletes to demonstrate their strengths, skills, and abilities in athletic competition. And whereas the Fairness in Women's Sports Act specifies that an athletic team or sport that is designated for females, women, or girls may not be open to students of the male sex based on the student's biological sex listed on the student's official birth certificate at the time of birth, and whereas the Fairness in Women's Sports Act applies to 
scholastic, intercollegiate, intramural, or club athletic teams or sports are sponsored by a public secondary school, high school, public college, or university in the state of Florida, and whereas women have fought for decades to have equal opportunities in athletics, and it is wrong to allow ideology to erode these opportunities, as is happening in other states, and the preservation of women-specific athletic teams or sports is necessary to promote equality of athletic opportunities. It is my determination that men should not be competing against women, such as Emma Wyatt, robbing women and girls of achievements, awards, and scholarships, And whereas Florida rejects the NCAA's efforts to destroy women's athletics, disapproves of the NCAA elevating ideology over biology, and takes offense at the NCAA trying to make others complicit in a lie, she is a native Floridian from Sarasota, Iron DeSantis, governor of the state of Florida, do hereby declare in Florida that Emma Wyatt is the rightful winner of the 2022 NCAA Division I women's 500-yard freestyle, congratulating her on yet another significant achievement. That is how it's done. God bless that, man. I'm Seth Liebson. Lewis Hallman in the house. We'll be right back. <laughs> 